continuing a series through the book of Ephesians. Ephesians is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a church that he planted in a town or a city, really, called Ephesus. And so the book of Ephesians is his letter to them. And if you've been with us, you saw that the first is six chapters long, and the first three chapters are kind of the theological foundation of the last three chapters. So the first three chapters is a lot of what the gospel is and what it means for us and and how we should celebrate the gospel and participate in the gospel. And then the last three chapters, which is where we're at now, is how that should be reflected in the way we live our lives. What should we do, practically speaking, in light of the gospel that is described in the first three chapters? And so we're in the middle of all of this practical stuff. You'll see that the sermon titles are are all commands to do something. Uh, And this week's title is Live Differently. We're going to look at Ephesians 4, verses 17 through 32. It's a decent chunk of scripture, so I encourage you to follow along as I read and try to discipline your mind to stay in the word with me here as we look at these verses together. Therefore I say this and testify in the Lord. You should no longer live as the Gentiles live in the futility of their thoughts. They are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. They became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. But that is not how you came to know Christ, assuming you heard about him and were taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus. To take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. Therefore, putting away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger, and, and don't give the devil an opportunity. Let the thief no longer steal. Instead, he is to do honest work with his own hands so that he has something to share with anyone in need. No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need so that it gives grace to those who hear. And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed by him for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting, and slander be removed from you along with all malice. And be kind and compassionate to one another Forgiving one another just as God also forgave you in Christ. This is God's word for us today. This passage is the second of three what I'm calling therefore passages. After Paul uh, articulates the gospel message in chapters 1 through 3, there are some applications that he rolls out for them. And he, he starts these three different passages with the word therefore. We see this in verse 17. He says, therefore... The first, therefore, we looked at two weeks ago, which the application or the the command in that passage, rather, was to therefore live worthy of the calling you have received. And so we actually spent two weeks talking about what that means, that we are to live in unity of purpose and mission, each person doing our part. That That is largely what it means to live worthy of the calling that we have received. And then next week, we're going to look at the third therefore passage, which is therefore be imitators of God. In other words, live like Jesus is is Paul's command in the next passage. But in this passage, Paul says, therefore, no longer live as the Gentiles do. 
Gentiles was the word uh, at that time to describe all of those who were not Jewish people. And in this particular context, as Paul is speaking predominantly to Jews who have received Jesus, and at that time even the, the non-Jews who received Jesus were considered sort of grafted into the Jewish faith. Over time, the, the, the difference between Jewish and Christian became more distinct, and so we refer to Christians and non-Christians. Paul is essentially saying here when he says don't live as the Gentiles, he's saying don't live as non-believers. That's what he's calling us to. He says, therefore I say this and testify in the Lord, you should no longer live as the Gentiles live in the futility of their thoughts. In other words, don't live like you did before Jesus or like those who don't have Jesus. This is what Paul is calling us to. Live like you have Jesus. Live like your life has been affected by the gospel. Live like you have been born again, like you have been redeemed, like you have been renewed in your mind and in your spirit. Live like your sins have been forgiven. Live like you have been given the gift of eternal life. Don't live like you don't have Jesus. Live like Christians ought to live. I say and testify in the Lord. You should no longer live as the Gentiles live in the futility of their thoughts. The first thing you see on your handout there is that Christians have a higher calling. Christians have a higher calling on their lives than to simply live like everyone else. I want to be careful here because this can sound as, as though there's arrogance intended. As though there's, there's this, this concept that Christians are somehow better than other people. That is not my intention, nor is that Paul's intention. But he's very clear that we as believers in Christ have a higher calling than to simply live like everyone else lives. When you come to Christ, when you put your faith in what Jesus did for you, that he died for your sins on the cross, that he was buried and rose from the grave to give you eternal life, you have a higher calling. You are called to live differently. No longer as those who don't have Jesus live. Perhaps no longer as you did before you had Jesus. Now some of us just kind of, let's say, had Jesus from a young age. There wasn't really a time when you lived without Jesus. And that is a blessing and, and a gift from God. And, 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 and so there's not a, an old time that you look back before Jesus in your life. But you can see that there should be a contrast between how you're living and how those around you who don't have Jesus are living. Verse 17 through 19 says, Therefore I say this and testify in the Lord, you should no longer live as the Gentiles live, in the futility of their thoughts. I want to answer in a minute, I want to answer the question, how is everyone else living? Let's look at what it says. They are darkened in their understanding, verse 18, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. They became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. How is everyone else living that Paul is calling us to live differently then? This is how they're living, in the futility of their thoughts. Futility of their thoughts mean there, there is no possible way for their thinking to get them to where they ought to be. That's what it means to be in the futility of your thoughts. Your thoughts are futile. They do not produce what, they, what you hope they will. They cannot get you there. Darkened in understanding. Listen to this one. Excluded from the life of God. 
excluded from the life of God. It is impossible to live apart from Christ and have the life that God desires to give. It's the only way he gives it, is in Christ. And those who do not have Jesus are excluded from the life of God. Because of the ignorance that is in them. So in the futility of their thoughts, darkened in understanding, excluded from the life of God, ignorant, in the hardness of their hearts, they became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. That is the natural outcome of living apart from Christ. The futility of your thoughts and the darkness of your understanding and the fact that you are excluded from the life of God ultimately leads to calloused hearts. Then you give yourself over to promiscuity, always wanting more and more of that which does not satisfy. Now, does that sound like how Christians are supposed to live? Of course not. That's Paul's point here. Don't live like them anymore. Live differently. Nonetheless... We as believers, we, we, don't have any, we don't have any special uh, exclusion from the desire to go down that road, do we? We can ourselves find, this is why Paul has to remind them not to live this way. This is why the word of God reminds us not to live this way. Because it's still our natural tendency. It's, 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 we all have that proclivity towards living in the flesh. But we're called to live differently. We're called to live lives that are holy. You know the word holy means to be set apart. To be holy is to be set apart for a different purpose. Sometimes I think when we think of holy, and there's a, there's a component of holiness which is fr- free from impurity and free from unrighteousness for sure. That's part of it. Uh, but what God calls us to is he calls us to be set apart. He calls us to be different for a different purpose. Our lives exist for a different reason once we come to Christ. We're set apart from him. We're, we, are his, we are instruments. We are vessels. We are tools. We are, we are to be used for his kingdom, for his purposes. Through us, God is changing the world, but you can't change the world if you're living just like it. Think about that. We cannot, we cannot have the desired impact on the world around us if we're just constantly living just like them. If there's no distinction between Christian and non-Christian, how do we expect to have an impact or to change the world around us? Therefore, Jesus' prayer for all believers in John chapter 17, before Jesus goes to the cross... He prays to the Father and he prays with us in mind. He prays for those who are following him then and he prays for those who will follow him throughout all of human history. In John 17, 14 through 18, this is how Jesus prays. He says, I have given them your word. The world hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I'm not praying that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Think about some of the things that Jesus prays here. He's praying to the Father, and he prays not that we be removed from the world, If Jesus wanted you out of this world, you would be out of this world. The moment that he no longer wants you to be here is the moment that you will no longer be here. You don't have to worry about that. 
If you're here, if you're alive today, if you're breathing, this is where he wants you to be. And why does he want you to be here? He has set you apart for the sake of building his kingdom. He does not pray that the Father would take us out of the world. He explicitly says that. I am not praying that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Then he says in verse 18, as you sent me into the world. Think about that. As the Father sent the Son. Did the Father send the Son into the world to live like the world? Did Jesus come into the world to adopt all of our worldly and fleshly mindset and behaviors and way of living life? Or did he come into the world to be a contrast, to stand out, to live differently? That's exactly what he did. He came into the world to live a life that was holy, set apart. He was he was set apart in the truest meaning of that idea. He came with one purpose, to do everything that the Father wanted him to do. That's how he calls us to live. As you sent me into the world, the Father sends the Son into the world to save the world, to provide forgiveness for sins, to provide the opportunity to receive eternal life. As you have sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. We are set apart to be sent into Think about that. We're taken out of the world in, in the sense of how we live our lives, but only to be sent into the world to accomplish his purpose. To be light in the dark place. As Jesus said, to be the salt of the earth. He looked at his disciples one day and he said, you are the salt of the earth. As Jesus was sent, so we are sent. And so when I talk, I say all that, because when I talk about the fact that we are called to live differently, I'm, we have to be careful how we apply this. It's not that we are called to remove ourselves from the world in a way that we lose our impact in the world. It's, called, it's, it's that we are called to be transformed in how we think about the world so that we increase our impact on the world. Many Christians tend to retreat from the world. And indeed, sometimes that's the easiest thing to do. We, we pull back from culture. We pull back from society. Christian history is full of, of groups of Christians who have literally removed themselves from culture and went and lived in their own communities. When we, were, uh, when we purchased our house here in Lower Borough and we were getting it ready to move into, we, we had to do a lot of renovations, even put an addition on. And, and I hired an Amish crew uh, that, that a friend introduced us to, to come and do the work. And, and honestly, just built a fantastic relationship with this family. It was a father and uh, three or four of his sons uh, that came out and, and worked on our house. Enjoyed working with them so much um, over the couple of months that they were working in our house that I was sad to see them go. It really was. Just, just really grew into a great friendship. Uh, I admired them and I respected them. But it gave me a lot of opportunity to think about their culture and the philosophy of why they do the things that they do. And if you've had much exposure to the Amish community, you know they have some pretty extreme views about certain things when it comes to how they live within the world that they live in. And, uh, in, you know, so, some of it, I think, comes from from good motivation. I think all of it comes from a good motivation in a sense. Um, 
some of it makes a lot of sense and some of it just makes really no sense at all. And, and we had an opportunity to talk about some of those things. There were things that would come up over the course of our conversations where it was like, okay, why do you do this? Or why, why does this have to be like that? And, and the answer is usually like, that's just how we do it. <laughs> you know, there's, there's really no good reason or, or not a lot of thought behind it currently. But somebody at some point said, this is what it means to live set apart. This is what it means to live separate from the world that we're in. But we have to be careful, as much as I admire and respect elements of that culture, I think that it loses its effectiveness when you disconnect yourself so much from the culture that you're no longer being sent into. You've, you've got the set apart thing, we're to be different, we're to live differently, but Let's not remember, Jesus prayed to the Father, I'm not asking that you remove them out of the world, I'm asking that you send them into the world. But that when you send them in, you send them in in a state that they are so different from the world that they're being sent into that they make a kingdom impact. That as the culture that they have adopted and the culture that they are going into collide, the result of that is gospel transformation, that lives are changed by the gospel. That takes some careful thinking on our part of how we are going to be different yet sent into. How we are going to live distinctly but live on purpose for the gospel and for the kingdom of Christ. Romans 12 verses 1 and 2, a very familiar passage of scripture, instructs us this way. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God, this is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. We are called to think differently. I want to emphasize that today. We are a people who are called to have a different mindset, a different mentality, a different way of seeing things, that, that we see life through different paradigms than those who are not following Jesus. In view of the mercies of God, Paul says, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. But don't, do not be conformed to this age. Don't let the world force you into its mold. There's so much pressure to do and to think like everybody else. Think about all the pressure that you're under each and every day to conform. To, to live just like everyone else. And, and, and our society just continues to broaden its reach into our lives. And the demand for us to conform keeps getting stronger and stronger. There was a day, even in my lifetime, where Christians enjoyed much more favor in society in general. But as society goes further and further away from what the Bible teaches, the pressure for us to go along with them gets stronger and stronger. Therefore, we have to remind ourselves of what the Word of God says, that we are not to be conformed to this age, but rather we should be transformed by the renewing of our minds. How do we do that? I want to talk about that in a minute. How do, we, how do we experience transformation by renewing our minds? 
Well, let me, let me say this. This is the next thing on your handout. And this is going to take us back in, into our passage in Ephesians. Christians are called to take off, be renewed, and put on. You'll see why, why I chose those phrases in a second. Christians are called to take off, be renewed, and put on. Take off, be renewed, put on. That's what we're called to. Christians are called to take off, be renewed, and put on. Back in Ephesians 4, in verse 20, after Paul, in, in 17 through 19, he, sa- he says, no longer live as the Gentiles live, and he describes what that looks like. The futility of their thoughts, their, their darkened understanding, excluded from the life of God, the ignorance that they were in, the hardness of their hearts. They became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity, always wanting more and more. But that is not how you came to know Christ, he says in verse 20. Assuming you heard about him and were taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, to take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires. We spent a lot of time talking about this over the summer when we talked about the flesh and what it means to be renewed and and to receive the Spirit and to live lives that, that are transformed by the gospel. This idea, again, of of what the Bible sometimes refers to as the flesh. The old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires. The biggest problem, this is what I argued for over the summer, this was the point I tried to make, was that the biggest problem that humanity has is that our flesh is corrupted by deceitful desires. The biggest problem in society is, is that we are broken people. That's the way we said it over the summer. We are not the way God created us to be. We are broken. And we see that emphasized here again. What, what Paul refers to as the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires is the natural state of man that we are born into. We are born fallen. We are born marred by sin. We are, we are born corrupted by deceitful desires. You do not have to teach human beings to do wrong. In fact, you have to teach them to do right. Anybody that's ever raised children knows this to be absolutely true. And sometimes it's harder than others. I mean, when Chase, um, Chase is my stepson, he was three when Kim and I got together. And um, he was six when Kim and I had our first daughter together. And, you know, six, Chase at six years old, we thought we were amazing parents. We're like, I was thinking about writing a book. You know, I mean, we're just, this, he, he was just so compliant. And I, I think I, I spanked Chase twice. Once um, because he needed it. And the other time because I was probably just a little bit out of control. That was it. Like he was, he, was, he was just such a good kid. And we were convinced that it was our perfect parenting. And then God gave us Reese. You could not convince that girl to listen to you with anything. I won't even tell you what I tried. <laughs> and, 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 you know, God has his way of humbling parents. By the way, if, if, if you're a young couple here and you're thinking about having children, uh, I don't recommend it. It's, it's really not a good idea. Um, but God will use it to humble you, and he will use it to teach you a lot of things. I love my kids. I'm just kidding. Um, 
the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires is the most natural thing that you could ever do. You could, we just fall into that. We live that way. We prove that every day. We are broken people. We are not the way God intended for us to be when he created us. We have fallen. The Bible tells us that that began with Adam and Eve, the very first two human beings that God created. They rebelled against him, disobeyed his command, and as a result... All humankind has followed in their footsteps. We've, we've been born into a world of sin. That's the biblical explanation for everything that's going on in the world. Different worldviews have different ways of explaining that. The biblical, the biblical explanation for everything that's going wrong in the world is that mankind is broken, corrupted by deceitful desires. What Paul is telling us to do in Ephesians 4 here is to take off our former way of life, this old self corrupted by deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness and righteousness and purity of truth. What God offers us in Jesus is the opportunity to have new life. The opportunity to take off, and this is not, don't be deceived, this is not a once and for all thing. They're like, okay, I'm just going to decide today that I'm done with my old self and I'm going to put on the new. It's an ongoing, moment by moment decision that you have to make as a follower of Christ. That you're going to put away the old self and you're going to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self. The one that Jesus gives to you. The one that he offers to help you walk in. The one created according to God's likeness and righteousness and purity of the truth. How do we get there? How do we get from old self to putting on the new self? By renewing our minds. In verse 23 it says to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And if you think back to what I just read a, a few minutes ago in Romans 12, 1 and 2, that we would be transformed by the renewing of our minds. This, the means of living differently, is the renewing of our minds. That's how we get there, that we have to change the way we think and the way we see and the way we process things with the gospel. That what Jesus has done for us and what Jesus calls us to is to inform our way of living Verses 17 and 18 told us that the Gentiles live in the futility of their thoughts. They are darkened in their understanding. Do you, under, do you see here the importance of the way you think? The importance of the way you process the world that you live in, the things that you feel, and the things that happen to you. If the problem that the Gentiles have is that they are living in the futility of their thoughts and that the, and the life that Jesus calls us to is that we renew our minds, we have to understand how important this is. We cannot be lazy in the renewing of our minds. This is why the word of God is so important to believers. This is why God gave us his word. 
to help us renew our minds. It is not some mystical thing that just happens by chance. It's not something that happens while you sleep. It's not something that happens as you just randomly do the things that you do throughout your life. It's something that happens intentionally as we digest the word of God in our own lives. This is why the Bible places such an emphasis on things like meditating on the word of God. That means to think over and over again, to to push all other thoughts out of your mind and to just dwell on and think about what the Word of God is saying and what it means. This is how we renew our minds through the Bible, through the Word of God, through study and application of it. This is the means for transforming from the old self, putting off the old self, and putting on the new self. This is why I'm so passionate about those missionaries that we had here a few weeks ago who are going into a part of the world where people do not have access to the word of God. They don't know Jesus, they do not know the gospel, and they don't have a Bible to read. And I'm so excited that we as a church are going to partner with them financially and that we're going to be there to support them and to pray for them and to care for them and to help them go and take the word of God to a people group that cannot today practically do what we're saying to do. Because they just don't even have the message. They don't even have the word of God. Focus on changing your thoughts instead of worrying about what your feelings are. We're so feelings driven. We're just consumed with how I feel about certain things. If something makes us feel good, we're certainly more inclined to do it. If it makes us feel bad, then we avoid it at all costs. But we need to to push past feelings and focus on changing our thinking. Take up the word of God. If you have not opened a Bible In the past seven days since you came here, you're missing an opportunity to renew your mind, to become more like the person that God created you to be. Renewed minds are the means of living different. Okay, I've made that point. Now, let's talk about some practical applications. The next thing on your handout, the practical applications of this are many. But as I said earlier, we should be careful but to be very thoughtful about how we seek to apply this idea, this idea of living differently, of, of being set apart to be sent in. And, and as I was preparing this, I thought, man, there's just so many different directions this could go. And, I, and, and you know, the safest thing to do is to go right where this passage takes us. Paul gives us some very practical ways of applying what he's talking about. This idea of living differently. When, when he says, therefore, I say in testifying, Lord, you should no longer live as the Gentiles live. Now he's going to give us some practicals. This is how the Gentiles live, but this is how you should live. And so what I've done on the handout is I've, I've given you a couple of, of spaces where you can jot down some of these that speak to you. There are several. There are more here in this passage than you're going to have room to write down. So just pick a couple that speak to you. But let me read verses 25 through 32 again. Therefore put away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And don't give the devil an opportunity. Let the thief no longer steal. Instead, He is to do honest work with his own hands so that he has something to share with anyone in need. 
No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need, so that it gives grace to those who hear. And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed by Him for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander be removed from you, along with all malice, and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. That's overwhelming, huh? There's a lot there to do, and, and I'm just going to encourage you to, to try to pick one or two. Here's what, here's what the, this passage says. As Christians, instead of lying, we should speak the truth. That's verse 25. Therefore, put away lying, speak the truth, each to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. To live differently means to stop lying. It means to speak the truth to one another. Lying is meant to deceive other people in order to get something that you want to get, whatever that might be. That has no place in the Christian life. He calls us, the Bible calls us, instead of lying, to speak the truth, knowing that we are members of one another. You cannot get ahead as a Christian by tearing down or taking away from or harming another Christian. We're all part of the same body. It would be like cutting, cutting a finger off your right hand to put it on your left hand. It doesn't do any good. You still have ten fingers and now one of them doesn't work. <laughs> if, we view our, if we view the people around us as members of the same body, we don't, want to, we don't want to take from them. We don't want to hurt them. We want to build them up. We want to help them knowing that when they do well, we do well because we're part of the same body. Instead of letting anger lead to sin, we should pursue peace. Verses 26 through 27. It says, be angry and do not sin. I love this verse because it, says, it doesn't say don't be angry. That would be difficult. <laughs> it says, be angry and do not sin. When you are angry, be careful that you don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. How, how, would, we, how would we sin when we're angry? Well, there's lots of ways that we can sin when we're angry. One thing that we need to avoid is don't let the sun go down on your anger and don't give the devil an opportunity. There are two ways of taking this. One is the literal never go to bed with anything unresolved. The other is that this is a proverbial statement perhaps that we should pursue peace. That we should, we should seek to not let anger turn into resentment which turns into hatred and poisons everyone involved. That when there is a discrepancy between us and someone else, we should pursue peaceful resolution. We, sh we should not be slow in trying to work that out. He says here in verse 27, and don't give the devil an opportunity. When anger goes undealt with, it's an opportunity for the devil. You know people, perhaps you are one of these people, you know people who anger has consumed their lives. And just taken every good thing from them. And oftentimes it, it begins with anger towards one person. Perhaps it's somebody who grew up ang angry with a parent. Angry with something that dad did or something that mom did. No doubt something very hurtful. And they never learned to deal with it. And they let it consume them. 
That is giving the devil an opportunity. The devil loves anger that doesn't get dealt with. He can do so many different things with that. He can destroy lives in an infinite number of ways with anger that does not get dealt with. That's why the Bible says to be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down in your anger and don't give the devil that opportunity. Instead of letting anger lead to sin, we should pursue peace. We should pursue resolution. We should pursue dealing with the things that have made us angry. Instead of stealing, be generous. This is verse 28. Let the thief no longer steal. But he doesn't just say stop stealing, which would be good in and of itself. He says instead, he is to do honest work with his own hands so that he has something to share with anyone in need. The opposite of stealing in the Christian life is to stop, not to stop stealing, but to be generous. Not to try to take from others, but to try to give away. To work hard enough, to, to, to be smart enough about how you spend your money and how you spend your time so that you have something to give. That's what we're called to. Sometimes we think, well, if I'm not stealing, then, then I'm doing okay. But are you being generous? Because we're not just called to not steal. We're called to be generous. We're called to share with what God has given to us. To share with anyone that is in need. Verse 28. Instead of foul language, we should build up and speak grace. Verse 29 says, No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need, that it gives grace to hear. This seems to indicate that the opposite of foul language, and perhaps in this, uh, I don't want to try to define this with too much certainty because I, re- I really can't say for sure, but perhaps what is meant here by foul language is simply that which tears down. It doesn't have to be swearing or, or the things that we might think of or, 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 or you know, sexual innuendos or, or things that we consider inappropriate or immodest. It might just simply be that we're We're not speaking good with our mouths. But only what is good for building up someone in need so that it gives grace to those who hear. All the power of our words to give grace. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs that the power of life and death are in the tongue. You can do one of two things with your words. You can bring death or you can give life. The power of our words to speak grace to those around us. We, it is, again, it's, it's such a natural inclination that we tear down with our words. We, we speak bad about other people or, or we speak bad to other people. And we, we do things with, with our mouths that are not promoting good, that are not building up someone in need, that are not giving grace. But every day we have the ability to speak grace. To speak grace through ultimately the greatest thing we can do with our mouths is to share the gospel and the good news of what Jesus has, has done. But even on a smaller scale, just to be people who speak grace to the people around us, who compliment one another, who find the good in one another, who, who say nice things. Don't you love being around people who say nice things about you? Don't you love being around people who, instead of sarcasm, they build you up? Instead of foul language, build up and speak grace. One more, and I'm going to clump these together because I think they're kind of clumped together here in the, in the passage. Instead of bitterness, anger and wrath, slander and malice, be kind 
compassionate and forgiving. Verses 30 through 32. And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed by him for the day of redemption. Incredible thing to think about. That by sinning we are grieving the Holy Spirit. Who is our, who has come into us to seal us for redemption. The greatest gift that we have been given, the gift of the Holy Spirit, actually indwelling us as believers, sealing us and and confirming that we belong to God. When we sin, we actually grieve Him. Don't do that. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. You were sealed by Him for the day of redemption. Verse 31, let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander be removed from you along with all malice. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as God also forgave you in Christ. So replace those things, the bitterness and the anger and wrath, the slander, the malice, with kindness, compassion, and forgiveness. Boy, if we would would reflect Jesus in that way, in his kindness and in his compassion and his forgiveness. All right, all of that under practical applications. Perhaps you can come up with your own. I just want to caution you to be careful that we don't take this concept of living differently and apply it in a way that was not intended for Scripture. If we're being set apart, it's to be sent into. It's not set apart to be removed from. It's to be set apart to be sent into. We want to be salt in the world that we live in. And we do that by, by doing these things and the things that, are, that follow after this manner. This is how we're called to live. So my conclusion... The last thing you see on your handout. We are called to live differently because Jesus has made us members of his kingdom. This means that we put off old ways and put on the new. I should not have left out the means of doing that here, which is by renewing our minds. But you can add that if you want. We put off the old ways and put on the new. We do that by renewing our minds. If you look at the top of your handout, the first thing I said is that Christians have a higher calling on their lives than to simply live like everyone else. This is the point I'm trying to drive home. We are called to live differently because Jesus has made us members of his kingdom. This means we put off our old ways that we're renewed in our minds and that we put on the new. And we do this, I love the way this passage ends. The very last phrase in verse 32 Forgiving one another just as God also forgave you in Christ. Our motivation for how we are to live as Christians is what Jesus has done for us. This is reflected beautifully in the book of Ephesians. Like I said earlier, for three chapters, Paul is reminding us of what Jesus did. He's telling us the gospel. There's there's almost nothing for us to do in the first three chapters. He just wants us to be reminded of what Jesus did. That Jesus, who, who, who was in heaven and had the right to remain there forever, selfish, uh, unselfishly came to earth, lived the perfect life that God commands you and I to live that we have not lived. He lived in perfect obedience to the Father. And then he surrendered himself to the deeds of evil men who wanted to beat him and crucify him. And he gave his life on the cross, paying the price for your sins and for mine, even succumbing to death itself. The only sinless man who ever lived, paying for every sin that was ever committed. 
He died on the cross. But on the third day, he came to life again. He rose from the grave, conquering death. And he ascended back into heaven where he deserves to to live forever. And he invites us to join him. He offers us the forgiveness of our sins. He offers what he did on the cross to be the payment for our sins. That literally every sin I have ever committed was already punished when Jesus hung on the cross. That God's righteous desire to punish sin is completely satisfied in him pouring out his wrath on his only son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. And Jesus says, if you believe in me, you can have eternal life. And he said, to his, he said to those who followed him while he was here on earth, he says, I'm going away, but I'm coming back. And when I come back, I'm going to take you that you may be where I am also. And there we can live forever in the presence of our Savior and our King. That's what he offers. So when Paul says, forgive, forgive one another just as God also forgave you in Christ, he's reminding them of the gospel. He's pointing them back. And if you're a believer in Christ, I want to encourage you, to live like Jesus did, to live differently, to be set apart, to be sent into by the renewing of your mind, putting off the old self, putting on the new, reflecting the life that he lived here on earth and how you live your life, albeit imperfectly. I understand that. The expectation isn't that we were, we're going to nail this when we leave here today. The expectation is that we're going to pursue this and that we're never going to give up, and that every time we fall down, we get back up because of His grace. And we keep running towards Him, wanting to be more like Him. We live this way because of what He did for us. And if you're here today and you haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus, I want to invite you to join Him. He offers you eternal life. He offers you the forgiveness of your sins. He offers that you will be a part of His kingdom. But He calls you to live differently. He calls you to renew your mind, to, to come after Jesus. And one of the ways he described it was to take up our cross and follow him. To come after Jesus is to be, to be willing to lay down our lives to live like him. If you are willing to do that, he gives you forgiveness of your sins, eternal life. And you can be with him forever. Just like he created you to be. I want to ask the worship team to come up. Get ready to lead us in worship. As we do that, would you just close your eyes and prepare to pray with me. With our eyes closed and as we reflect on this important passage of Scripture, what God is calling us to. Therefore, in light of the gospel, therefore, live differently. Live set apart but sent into. Live renewing our minds with the gospel and the word of God. That we could put off our old self and put on the new. More and more becoming like Jesus who died in our place to save us. If you want to receive him as Savior today, in these moments, as the worship team begins to play and get ready to lead us in worship, in these moments, I just want to encourage you to call out to him. When I was ready for Jesus to save me, I just, I just prayed in the simplest way I could. God, would you, would you forgive me? I know that I've sinned. And I need you. In fact, I'm going to die without you. 
your own words, would you just call out to Jesus and ask him to forgive you and believe that he died on the cross for your sins. If you're doing that right now, he hears and he invites you to come and be a part of his family. Thank you, Jesus. Now all of us, let's pray together. Father, we... We thank you for your word that calls us out, calls us to something higher, calls us to care about things much deeper than what we cared about before Jesus came into our lives. Calls us to live with a, with a different mission, a different mindset. I pray that we'd answer that call this week in light of what Jesus has done, that we would give our lives as living sacrifices, as you call us, that we'd not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but that we'd be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Teach us, teach us how to do that, Lord, Monday through Saturday, not just on Sundays. Teach us how to live for you. God, I pray that as you set us apart, you would send us into this community. God, that the 150,000 people within 20 minutes of where we're sitting right now would hear the gospel, that they would know what an amazing Savior we have in Jesus, and that they would have the opportunity to join the family as well. That's our prayer. Do it through us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.